just had an epiphany when um, I was just in the airport for some reason. I don't know how it hit me. Devin, our, our guest uh, today is Devin Goodman again. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on board. Great Thanks. to be here. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you very much. Um, anyway, I had this epiphany. It's about earning. Okay. Um, so, Devin, you, you feel great when you work really hard and you end up, I don't know, making a lot of money, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So you work on a project and you, you, know, you sweat all day and all night on it, uh, work for many weeks, and now you're in a competition either at a, some sort of awards or you're just trying to get that motion done in, in the law firm or otherwise, and it gets done and you win. And it, it feels fantastic, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? And, and likewise, uh, Thomas Edison or Steve Jobs, for that matter, or any one of the great inventors of, of time, uh, they worked really hard. They tried to figure it out. I know that Einstein had, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of different light bulbs. He just, he just had to make this work. And then he did make it work. And boom, now you have your light bulb. And he, the feeling he must have had when, when that, it all worked and he thought to himself, man, I'm going to light up the world through electricity. This is awesome. And, and, and he's entitled to make money off of it. That's, that's fantastic. And he did. He became a very rich man, of course. Same thing with Rockefeller, with all the, the great ideas that he had. Uh, same thing with, uh, I don't know, music, music for that matter. The Beatles really worked very hard. They spent tens of thousands of hours, particularly in, in practicing in, in Germany. A lot of people don't know about that. And then they became the Beatles as we know them. And they strove, strove very hard to make the kind of music that they did uh, to be very popular. And, and it works. And musicians know this. It's very hard. You know, when they, when they work to make music, one of my favorite songs is Time by Pink Floyd. Um, that song, you can tell they practice and practice and practice to make that song just perfect. The timing of everything. And we hear it and it just sounds so cool. But, you know, it must be very rewarding, that feeling, right? So all these feelings are great. Earning, 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 right? Your kid makes it to varsity. Uh, he's earned it. He, he's worked very hard for this basketball team or swimming or whatever it might be. And now he's on the varsity team. It feels fan-freaking-tastic. I know when I was a kid, I, I really worked hard to do well in school. And uh, I decided I wanted to be number one in my school. And I did. And I, I was, it was fantastic. That feeling of being on top, um, I worked really hard for it. I did all my homework. I studied late at night. I, I, same thing with French. I love French, and I, I wanted to have a perfect accent, and now I have a perfect accent. And it's, it's, these are great feelings. What about you? Um, I actually want to go back to you. So you were valedictorian in your high school? Yeah, yeah, I was. I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> well, wow. I, mean, I knew you went to Stanford, <laughs> which is pretty cool, but like valedictorian, no, I, I didn't know that. Like number one, like the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's really awesome. Sorry about that. I just I, had to... I, I appreciate that. Well, it was a school of, of only 50 or so boys uh, per class. So it's what, for high school, it was about 200. But uh, it was, these were top-notch boys. I mean, they were, it was a really difficult school. And, they, and I, I loved working at it. But boy, it felt so good. It felt fantastic. And, and there are many other things we do, right? I'm making money. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not the making money necessarily. It's, 
it's the choosing the right property that in turn, you know, increases in value. And you feel like, okay, I took the risk and I, I worked hard at getting that mortgage. And, and now here I am, I own this. And now I've got all this equity in the property. I mean, there's so many great things we can talk about in terms of, you know, how you feel. How about earning, you know, you decide to be in great shape, right? That's a, an easy one where you, you want to lose weight, let's say, or you just want to get really toned. Um, you want to look good. And after so many months or whatever, uh, Boy, you look fantastic, and you feel fan freaking tastic. You've earned it, baby. Right. Now, take all those things. If if somehow, you know, you just like I don't know, you eat one food or, to, or take this pill, and your body will look great. Okay, you don't have the same feeling. Let's face it, you don't. Um, if somebody gave me the house, and now the equity in the house is increasing, yeah, okay, it doesn't feel like I earned it. I feel like I've kind of cheated, haven't I? And, and so on with everything else. If, if the light bulb just kind of came to Thomas Edison and he just kind of put two wires together, said, okay, here we go, um, wasn't hard at all, then it wouldn't feel the same way. Same thing with Alexander Graham Bell and Steve Jobs and everything else. He just puts out a, a product and boom, everyone loves it. No, no, took a lot of work. Yeah. And the cool thing about it too, like for me, whenever I've had something, I'm not as accomplished as you, but whenever I have actually gotten there, one of the key ingredients that I think the kids nowadays are really terrified of mm. is anger. Mm. The only time I've really grown is because of competition and like envy or some kind of thing and says like, I get angry and, I, and anger clarifies, anger motivates, anger simplifies. You don't want anger to like drive the car, but it's a wonderful motor. And when you, like, it's not just Thomas Edison, I don't know Thomas Edison, but like the way I'd see it and when I've done it, it's not just I did X and Y and all through Z and everything like, oh, this failed and then finally Z worked. It's, I became a different person. Mm-hmm. I gained better focus. I gained more discipline. I gained skills and, and things I will never even know what I gained in that accomplishment. In that growth. It's really the growth when you look back on it, it's like, oh, wow, I won the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, that's cool, and you got a ring. But the reality is like, no, I pushed through like a 330-pound man who only wanted to pull me down to the floor, and I was able to get past the line. Wow. Like being a, that person who's able to do that, mm-hmm. you have to grow as a human being. Yeah. And I think that's the thing people are most happy with. Yeah. That is a beautiful way of putting it. There's a sense, I think, this internal sense of striving and every, everyone understands that and they feel great for you. And that's why we say congratulations, you know, and, and they, they diminish that word these days. I mean, you, 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 you buy a plane ticket and you get an email saying, congratulations, you've got an, well, okay, whatever. <laughs> but it's, it's not, but the, when, when we really say mazel tov and congratulations, all those things, it's, it's usually for something that you've worked hard for. You got that promotion. You know what? You waited five years, Johnny, and now you're the manager of whatever. It's okay. Great. Fantastic. Uh, another, another great accomplishment for many people is when they get rid of their drug addiction or alcohol addiction or cigarette smoking, um, which is a wonderful thing. Now, look, blissfully, I don't have any such addictions. I have no interest in any of those things. I, you know, I, don't, I have nothing against alcohol, but I just I can't get drink from my life. I can't get drunk from my life. I just, I'm just not interested in it. And so I have a little wine here and there. But anyway, you get the idea. But when I hear somebody saying, hey, I've been, I'm sober for 10 years, I admire the frig out of these people. Yeah. I really do because that's hard work. And it's a shame that they had to get to that point and discover that they have this addiction. 
But once I discovered it and they just, I'm done with this. I'm going to, I refuse to, to be this way anymore. That's earning something. You really earned it. And they know how difficult it is. And I have had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people who are recovering and I have the exact same view of them as you do, that it is so hard. And one of the things that they really have to do is they have to, in order, and this is in the book written by Bill W. for AA, is you have to continue to help people. The only way out of your addiction, out of your own personal hell, Mm -hmm. is to help others. Wow, that's really interesting. Right. Yeah, I I, I like that point. But but, so that's part of the earning, I suppose. Yeah. But striving and earning, um, it's, it's built into us. But here's a kicker, Devin, and this is the epiphany that I had. We need to earn God. Okay. What do I, what do I mean by that? I mean, I mean, in the sense that you, people very often just, you know, they'll tell you, Hey, you know, I I just, well, I'd love to believe in God, but I, you know, nothing is, you know, God has never kind of just fallen in my lap or revealed himself. And when that happens, then I'll believe in God, right? And I think to myself, really? It's so interesting to me because I I think about how hard I had to work. I, Barack Leary, had to work to find God. And I really did. It really, to me, was almost like the addiction aspect of it, where the addiction being rejecting God. I was anti-God. I was without God, an atheist in a full sense of the word, but I was also anti-God. It was... It's, it's lazy, but, and I always think the atheist is, is, is lazy because he just doesn't want to do the work. It's like, so he might as well say, I don't, I don't believe in this, this calculus business that you're talking to me about. It's, it's nonsense. It doesn't exist. It's not real because I think it's nonsense. I, I just don't want to work for it. <laughs> okay. Well, you don't have to, but that doesn't mean the calculus doesn't exist, right? Or anything doesn't exist. Um, or, or a, fat, a really fat guy who really needs to lose weight, he says, I, I don't believe in losing weight because I, you know, I don't want to work. I, it should just happen for me. Okay, just make it easy for me and then I'll do it, whatever that means, doing it. But it's the same thing for God. We, we, God does not fall into your lap. It should, he shouldn't just fall into your lap. Faith, I think, would mean nothing if God just fell in your lap. Now, I use the word faith. That's mostly a Christian term. Um, in Judaism, we don't use the word faith in the same way the Christians do, but we, we turn, we talk about belief and, and incorporating God into our lives. We feel God is very real. And um, so anyway, it's semantics. But the point is to just have God fall into your lap and to be part of your life. And then that's that. I, I, it, it would not be the same feeling of joy that you would have. And that's why when people really do find God and they've worked at it to find him, then they really they, they they experience that feeling of earning of striving, and that's exactly I think in any good relationship, like in an occupational relationship, if somebody just sits at their desk after they get hired and does nothing, or doesn't doesn't work hard, or doesn't innovate, or is socially, who wants a friend who's not going to remember your birthday or actually care when you're in a bad way? They'll be like, oh yeah, you're in a bad way. I'm going to go hang out with somebody else, or like a lover or anything like that. It's it really is in any aspect, yeah. like not only tending, but really innovating and digging in deeper. Because there's one thing of gardening and picking out the apples so we can eat. That's fine. But like actually digging in deeper and trying to plant new soil or trying to switch. Oh, man, that's, a great, that's a great example. And let's use gardening, for example. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of friends who love their gardens and they're very proud of their gardens. And, and so they should be. Uh, but 
you know, imagine that you decide that you're, you want a garden, okay? You can either, you know, you can get a bunch of gardeners who just say, okay, I want this flower, this flower, and you just, and they all put it in there, and now you have the hibiscus, and now you have an apricot tree, and you have this, this guy, you know, I'm not very good in gardening, so I don't know these things, but, but you get the idea. I mean, you know, whatever different kinds of flowers and arrangements you like in your garden, and uh, the gardener then tells you, okay, water this, and you put the sprinkler system on, and you haven't really done very much, Right? But what if you're the one gardening? What if you're the one who puts the seed in the very beginning and lets it grow and then you trim it and then you, uh, whatever, you organize it in rows and if there's a fruit tree, then you, you, you pluck the fruit at the right time and you wait a long time. It's very, the sense of accomplishment is extraordinary. And it's, but it's really the same thing. You know, a, a gardener, you can just do it for you. Just buys all the, the equipment and all the fertilizer, and you don't have to do a thing. You can just enjoy how beautiful it looks, but it's not the same thing. And to add to that, too, is, okay, you're gardening yourself. That's one thing, and you're having fun, and you can share sometimes a salad with people, however. But with God, and the reason why I like what you said so much is this isn't just like some kind of like extra tomato you have on the thing that you could buy in a grocery store. <laughs> right. This is one life we have, one choice, whether we want to be with the Almighty or not. And that's a question. It's like you have to farm, and if you, they don't grow, you don't live, oh, and your family yeah. doesn't live. Those are the stakes, and those, that isn't even close to the stakes that we're dealing with with God either. Yeah, That's a really great point. And, and by the way, speaking about food and, and such, let, let's supposing that you did uh, grow that uh, tomato uh, plant, and it grows, and it takes a while for it to grow, and you've nurtured it. And now it's ripe, it's time to pluck it, and now you want to put it in your salad or you just want to eat it as it is. Doesn't it taste all so great? I mean, isn't that the best taste, the best tasting tomato you've ever tasted? And it, it might be subjective. Maybe somebody else tasting it will say, oh, yeah, it's, it's fine. But, but for you, it tastes awesome, just fantastic. And so it is with uh, making a meal, for example. I, I, I think... When you make the meal yourself and you put it together, you know what ingredients are there and how much time you spent into it. And now you, you set it down and you eat it for yourself. It tastes fantastic. Really, really fantastic, especially when the materials are really raw um, or organic or whatever. You know, nothing is processed. You get the idea, all right? Anyway, okay, so, so what do I mean by earning God? Right? What, what is the process? What are you talking about, Barack? Okay, let, you know, show me, don't tell me. It's a cute, though, that, that phrase, earning God. Okay, here it is. You, you find God. You look for God. It's not enough to, to just have faith. It's great that your parents raised you with God or, or Jesus and God, if you're a Jewish or Christian, whatever. That's wonderful. I, I think that's great. I admire people who have faith like that. But I think you have a separate duty to find God. I've said that before. Um, and, but this is earning God. And what do I mean by that? I mean that you have to figure this out. First of all, that there is a God. And then figure out that through the process of probabilities. I, I think that's the best way to do it. Ask yourself, uh, what are the chances that the universe could, could exist at all? Right? It's, there is a number. Uh, there is a, prob a statistic. It's, it's obscenely low. I mean, it's a ridiculously low probability. It's one out of trillions, trillions, and trillions, and trillions, and trillions upon that, uh, to have the universe as we have it now. It, the universe could have easily been just all gas, right? It, it, there's no reason why the molecules 
stick together as they do, okay? Um, but you might say, oh, well, that, but it just happened that way, Barack, and here we are to talk about it, so shut up, okay? <laughs> but it's still random, Barack, okay? That's the, and, and there might be another universe, you know, for which there's no evidence that there's any multiplicity of universes that was used by Stephen Hawking in order to answer the improbabilities that we're dealing with this universe. So it's all nonsense. But in any way, I don't, I, I don't want to digress to that. Then you have to ask the chances of the Earth forming as it did with the perfect atmosphere, perfect location in the solar system, perfect location in, in, the, in the galaxy. Uh, it, everything had to be so perfect. And if it was 100,000 miles closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If it was 100,000 miles away from the sun, we'd, we'd, we'd freeze. I mean, uh, then you have to talk about the moon. The moon keeps us in perfect uh, orbit um, so that the, the, um, the, the axis, sorry, the axis is, is in perfect rotation. And there's so many other things. Uh, and then that's even before you get to the whole concept of life itself and, and how life could somehow create itself, right? It's not, not possible. They've tried many different ways to replicate that, but they simply can't do it. And, and then it's life that reproduces itself, right? That's the chances of that happening. And, the, and by the way, every time you, you kind of add up another fraction, no matter how small it is, you have to multiply it, in order, which, of course, means an even smaller fraction, right? And then that one, you know, the, the mutation to the point where you have, you know, uh, all, all the evolution that they claim, you know, monkeys eventually getting to man. Uh, and then, of course, man with his free will and his uh, self-awareness and consciousness and uh, sense of purpose, you know, all the things that they do in striving that we're talking about and, and a notion of the future and the past. And it's like the, the ability to have abstract thought that, you know, that, that somehow is explainable by evolution, right? According to them, obviously, there are some things that you simply cannot explain. It, 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 it's not possible. So these are the things, this is the kind of, you know, a mental experiment you have to go, a thought experiment, I should say, that you have to go through to figure out, okay, maybe there's not God the way we think it, but, but it was not random. You have to conclude that we are where we are, not through a random process. Okay. Now, whether that's the God of the Bible, we can talk about that in a moment. But just, I think you, you, you are not intellectually honest if you say to yourself, we're here as a result of amazing series of random things that all happened one upon the other. It just, you can't seriously say that with a straight face. I, I, I don't buy it. And I've dealt with, I've debated many atheists and I, I address this very point. And they say all the same thing. Well, it just happened that way, and that's the way it is. And I, no, I, I don't like that. And, and they still can't explain consciousness or free will or a sense of purpose. None of these things are necessary for evolutionary uh, purposes, right? Survival of the fittest. We have a sense of humor. How, how, how is that necessary for our survival, right? Well, there's, there's Johnny. He just died. What, why? He wasn't funny enough. You know? It just doesn't work that way, right? We, it's silly, People, you need to think these things through. And, and, you know, I go about my daily life appreciating and seeing, wow, why are things the way they are? I, I constantly am saying that to myself. You know, why am I, why does this person make me happy? Why, why does that, her smile back at me? I'm not talking about from an attraction point, just, just somebody, 
at the flight desk, uh, you know, smiles at me and it makes me feel good. And, and I, I, in turn, want to do the same thing for her. What, why? Could it be that somebody, something wants us to connect with each other? Why are we so interested in connecting? And so on. It, 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 all these incredible questions that need to be popping up. And, and you have to ask yourself, why are you even asking the questions? There's so many things to talk about. The, the miracle of the cell, the miracle of the eye, the miracle of so many different things. And they, the atheists simply cannot explain it. They, they try. I'll grant them that. But it just doesn't fit the, the puzzle that they want to fit. They, they jam the pieces together, but there is no puzzle for them. You know, the way I look at it is I, I think that we humans are playing with this huge puzzle with thousands, no, no, I, I should say tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of pieces. And we're all slowly trying to put the pieces together. And we don't know what the puzzle picture is yet. One day we'll find out. We're getting hints. But that's our mission is to find God. And that's what makes it so cool. I mean, one day, you know, with any discovery, I mean, how cool must it have been to know that, that we're not the center of the solar system? How cool it must have been to, to discover that the law of gravity, how cool it must have been for Einstein to discover the theory, the, the law of relativity. All these things are powerful. And these are discoveries. And you have to ask yourself, you know, why would Einstein be excited? He, I'm sure when he discovered E equals MC squared, he didn't say, okay, here we go, got it, and that's it, right? No, he must have been thrilled. But the question is why? Why? I think because he was earning God. He was, he was discovering God. And that's how you earn God. You, you discover bit by bit, Working, asking questions, getting more information, trying to explain to yourself certain things, and trying to figure it out. And you, you begin to see, okay, I, I, think, I think I'm getting the message here. And one day you realize there is a God. And then you figure out that that God is, is almost certainly the same God as the God of the Torah. That's, that's what you figure it has to be for a whole bunch of other reasons. Go ahead. And that's the thing that like, I felt myself getting humbled. Um, I was going to end on that, but it's true Like with the whole your whole argument for God because uh, nothing matters and I'm the center of the universe and my opinion is what's important. My thoughts are important. No, no, no. I can't even imagine the space that God created the world in. I can't even imagine this actually the size of the earth. I can, my brain can't even understand that. And how humbling it is that we are so insignificant. And how, oh my God, are there so many things that are so much more important and amazing, like that once we get out of ourselves, I think that goes with the earning is like just appreciating like how many things are so much, are so bigger than us and are so fantastic. Wow. Wow, that's, that's a, it's a beautiful thing to do. When you do humble yourself and you understand that you're, you're, you're a piece of a much larger picture or a puzzle, if you want, um, that's a, it's a wonderful feeling. And then you say to yourself, okay, it's an obligation. Uh, I, I have a role here as well. And, and it's fascinating to me because I want to talk about depression in a second. Um, the the role that we have, and, and there's a line like, you, you, you sh I forget the exact phrasing, but uh, a bunch of rabbis will listen to this and they'll say, oh, Barack, I know what he's talking about, but he, he, I wish he would phrase it correctly. Anyway, but here's the gist. 
that you should act as though you're nothing and at the same time act as if the entire universe depends on you, right? But like nothing's not exactly so. You're, you're very, very insignificant, but like God specifically made you, like you have, you're taking a picture and one hair is on place, out of place. You have to fix that hair. That hair needs to be where it needs to be. And that's just a hair, right? you know, like, we are very, like, I don't know how to say it, but, like, we're very, very minuscule, but we're still incredibly significant. It's true. I mean, we are all, all, all significant. And, and we have, I mean, this is the beauty of it, is that we all know that we have a purpose in life. I think a lot of people who are depressed fail to see what that purpose is. They, they, they can't get it. But if you know that there's a purpose, if you know there's a God, and God expects something of you, and it might be hard for you to find your purpose, but you will. You will. And some, maybe that purpose is to be the best janitor you can be. Maybe. Maybe that purpose is to be an Einstein. Maybe that purpose is to be the best lacrosse player that you can be. I, my, my daughter's a lacrosse player, so for a sport that comes to mind. Um, but but it's, it's, it's uplifting in a way because you know there is a purpose it's not that there's no purpose. You just can't find your purpose for the time being. That's all. But there's a purpose. And look at where your talents are. I mean, everyone knows, I always say wants, not talents. Figure out what, what really triggers interest in you. And then you can, you can float toward that interest. What, what, what moves you? What makes you impassioned? Right. I mean, I always give the example. I had an attorney who worked with us a long time ago. Lovely lady, fantastic attorney, by the way. And she loved knitting. She just loved it. I just, I couldn't understand it. But she just loved it to the point that she would go to conventions, you know, nationwide to discover the latest in knitting. I mean, I, I thought that was nuts. But you know what? Come to think of it, some of the things that I love must appear to her to be nuts. Anyway, passions are interesting. They're, they're an indication of your purpose, one way or the other. Look, uh, I told you I, I talk about depression, generally speaking. I think it's because a lot of people just don't have that sense of purpose. I don't get depressed people. I really don't. Um, because I, I, I have a sense of God. I was depressed once upon a time before I had God in my life. And you might say, okay, well, God is there just as a, as a comfort, you know, a security blanket for you. That's the reason why you feel the way you do, Barack. no. No. I mean, you have to ask yourself, well, why is it that God makes me feel that way? Right? Why? Because I mean, it, it's, it's so interesting because you have the, the whole the depression aspect. But we, we know that, that religious families are far more happy. Always. People who have God in their lives are very happy. And the very few people who have God in their lives... Um, it's, you'll be hard-pressed to find depressed people who are truly part of God. I'm not talking about people who go to church on a regular basis. Uh, but, you know, you can be very perfunctory about your, your faith and your practice in your faith. But if you really have God in your life, if you really believe in God, it's, it's hard to be depressed. Very, very hard. I, I just, I don't see it. And so to me, having God in your life is very powerful. But if you're, if you're, if you're depressed, the chances are not only that you have no God in your life, but you have no purpose in your life. I think that's part of the reason why. I mean, what do you think? 
Absolutely. I agree with you because I have suffered from depression too. And you see the religious people, it's like, it's not that they're happy. It's that they're going to temple. They're serving their family. They're serving their community. They're working hard. These are not like inherently selfish things. And then the depressed person is eating Doritos and watching TV and possibly doing drugs or alcohol, not exercising, not doing all those things. And it's like the one thing, it's harder. It takes more effort. It takes more sacrifice, but then you're happier. They want a purpose to find them right. instead of them finding a purpose. Right. That's your job. You know, when you have God in your life, it's not that God gives you a security blanket. It's, it's that when you realize there's a God, you realize that you need to find your purpose. You have to work at it, baby. It's as simple as that. Right. And like if you're depressed, it means that it's a, like you actually, you literally said, it's like you'll get these feelings where it's like, why does this person make me happy? Well, maybe you want more of that. Why does like sitting at home in the darkness alone make me depressed? Well, maybe I don't want to be depressed, so I'll do less of that. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. It's, uh, it, it, it really shocks me. I mean, and, and the nonsensical things that people obsess about. Uh, right now we're talking about pronouns, right? The transgender world. I mean, that's, it's so nonsensical. Uh, we also talked, uh, you and I, before the show about, you know, people being obsessed about the difference between AD and uh, um, CE, right? Meaning common era versus Anno Domingo. Um, and, and that was so somehow so important for the scientific community. Really, I mean, what, what a waste, just a waste of time. Let's just move forward. I mean, we say this as Jews, you and I, we don't care. <laughs> BC, before Christ, fine. A- AD, Anno Domingo, fine. I, I, we're good. We're jiggy with that. Okay, we understand. Can we talk about what's important now, please? Like finding out what God wants from us, right? What, what he wants us to discover. How, how can we get closer to God? That, that is my mission. And that's the battle. It's you're sitting at home eating Doritos doing nothing. That's so frivolous. It's so shallow. AC, BC, yeah. all of these pronouns. Who cares? What does that mean? In a hundred years, really, is this what people are going to want to read about our society or how we helped kids like learn to read when they're homeless or we helped feed the homeless or we have able to get rid of a horrible addiction? Like what? Like there are deeper things than just, oh, this is a word, but they're all sophists. Right. Sophist is a great example. And they and and like, um, you know, down the street from us, from this building, there's a uh, there's a sex shop and. It has all sorts of sex toys. And they, they've managed to make this... I mean, it's really odd because it doesn't seem to belong in this particular area of town. It's not a, it's not a sex shop sort of district, right? It's, this, it's called Cupid, I think. And what they've done is that they've kind of gourmetized uh, sex, uh, the sex toys at least, in the same way that Starbucks has made coffee on a gourmet style and very fancy and everything else. That's what these guys have done. But... Anyway, the important part is that, to me, sex is the, the pleasure of being with another woman. I, I you know, don't want any other toys. I don't need any toys. But for them, the fetish is so important. The, the thrill of the orgasm, the thrill of the, the fetish is so important to me. And it's, 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 you don't realize it, but it's actually pushing you down. You, you, how can you reach the, for the glory of God when all you're chasing is an orgasm instead of chasing a, a true relationship with a wonderful woman or man. And uh, that's, the way, that's the way it should work. And nobody seems to really focus on that. So anyway, it's, about, it's all about purpose and, and these, these nonsensical things that we are talking about. Absolutely nonsensical. 
uh, instead of striving, you know, and, and Devin, you brought up a really good point about like teaching young kids to read, uh, teaching young kids to uh, have a job uh, or even giving them a job for that matter. Uh, yes, uh, charity or tzedakah, as we say in uh, Hebrew, where you want to, to give to a community to less fortunate uh, as, as time goes on and help them lift up. That's, that's the idea. That's what God wants from us. That's what we, we all need to improve lives of everyone else. I mean, little things, I mean, it's funny. I, I did this little thing. Um, it caught my attention one day and it, I, I saw some litter on the ground and I thought, okay, well, somebody else will pick this up. And I thought, why should I wait for somebody else to pick this up? It's easy for me to bend down, pick up this piece of litter. And yeah, my hands will get dirty for a bit. I'll wash it. No big deal. So I, I committed to, from that day on, <laughs> picking up three pieces of litter every day. Oh, wow. I mean, it's not hard. Oh, yeah, anywhere you go, advice. right? I mean, it's, <laughs> well, anywhere you go, there's some litter. Pick it up. Three pieces of litter. It's not that hard. And wash your hands if you really don't like the idea. But whatever. You're, you're not going to get, you know, pricked by a needle, okay? You'll be okay. Just, and I think God smiles when you do that. It's a, it's a small action, very small action, but it moves the needle forward. It's, it's where God wants us to move, to be better to each other, to be the best we can be to each other, and then to strive, to allow, you know, what better thing than it is, I mean, I, I'm a parent, and one of the great joys, and I think one of the obligations that I have as a parent is to allow my child to strive to be the best that she can be, that he can be. That's if I can do that, then, then I'm really doing God's work, aren't I? Right? I mean, I, if, I, if we're just struggling all the time to make sure that little Johnny, that my, my, my child's name is not Johnny, but let's say if a parent is striving all the time or working all the time to make little Johnny doesn't beat up everyone else in the school, he's not a bully, it doesn't stab everyone all the time, you know, that's, that really sucks. That, that's not a great achievement. I mean, you, you have to do it, yes. But that's not where you thought you would be as a parent. When you think of yourself as a parent in the abstract, you don't have kids. But if you were to have a kid, Devin, you, you see yourself teaching them, right, about right and wrong, maybe teaching them violin or teaching them a sport, teaching them about being a good human being. That's, and why would you do that? It's not just survival that you're teaching them. You're teaching them goodness. Why? That's another question I ask, right? These, these are the things. So w- when you start asking these questions and you begin to say, wait a minute, there's, God's in the equation here. This is what's making it all happen. And you know what? I love it. God gave us our freedom. God gave us free will. God gave me that sense of questioning, the sense of consciousness. God wants me to find him. God is my, in my life. I, I have earned God. And in the same way that Einstein and Galileo and Steve Jobs or whatever, that they've created and must feel great about their, I feel 10 times better about having found God. That's far more important to me than anything else that I might accomplish in my life. Everything else I, I do in, in the name of God. You know, I, when I want to do a, a great legal project for a client and, and fight for him, you know, I want to do it with God in mind, making sure that I do the right thing all the time. You know, is, is, it, is it perfect? No. But I strive, and boy, it feels good. It feels great when you accomplish and meet, meet that goal for the client. But, but also, you know, my books, 
it feels great to finish a book. You know, if you're an author out there, you know what I'm talking about. You finish your project and you say to yourself, this is good. This is where I want to be. This is the product I want to produce. And you send it out to the world. And um, the sense of earning is awesome. Just awesome. But there's no greater sense of earning that I've ever had, Devin, uh, than the earning of God. I, yeah, that just blows me away. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> well, he, 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 he's, uh, it's a mic drop there. <laughs> Mind blown. I really appreciate that, Devin. Anyway, folks, uh, I so appreciate you listening to our show today. And this is an important one. I, I really, I hope it was an, an epiphany for everyone. It's, we, we have to work for God. God is not easy. Uh, don't, do not expect God to come to you. You have to come to God. You have to figure him out. You have to earn him. All right, Brock Larry signing off, saying God bless, and we'll speak with you next week.